Hello and welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 22, Head in the Clouds from 2004. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Mike, if you asked me, hey Joey, what are all the things you don't like about movies? And then you went out and made a movie with all of those things. You know what movie you would make? Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess. Is it Head in the Clouds? It sure is. This movie is pretty much everything I don't like about movies. It is a period piece, it is slow, it's sort of sexist, it's weird, it's dumb, it's like (laughs) tonally inconsistent. Oh yeah. We have, I don't know if you caught him, but the husband from Trapped is the main guy in this, your favorite actor. Wait, what? That's him? Yes, that's him. I was like, this guy's terrible. (laughs) That's amazing, I can't believe it's the same Mm -hmm. guy, because I was like, he can't act, save his life. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. We have everything that I liked from waking up in Reno between the relationship between those two girls, between Charlize and her friend, is absent from this movie with Charlize and Penelope Cruz returning from waking up in Reno. Yeah. I don't know that this is the worst movie that we've done, but it might be my least favorite in that I was so bored the entire time. The entire two hours. It's such a long movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels like three hours plus to be oh honest like god I, no uh you know i don't like this movie either i don't i don't think it's like the worst of the worst or anything like that but like you said it's just boring meandering and it shifts on a dime like for me like the first half played like a terrible woody allen period romantic comedy thing oh i wrote down hold on i'm glad you said that because i wrote down when we first get introduced to Charlize's character uh-huh. and she is just walking into that guy's room into Guy's room his name is Guy I know yeah I wrote down Guy and that turned out to be his name I couldn't believe yeah. it uh, she walks into his room and then it's just like no don't worry we'll, I'll sleep here it'll be fine and then like they're talking about like how he's popping a boner because she, mm-hmm. like, he's laying next to her I'm like did Woody Allen write this movie like it is so casually creepy and sexist that I was like, it feels like it's one of his movies. So the mm-hmm. fact that you said it's meandering like a Woody Allen movie, like I feel like I'm, we're sort of you know, making fun of it in two different ways, but I'm glad that we have sort of arrived to the same destination. Yeah, and, and you know, actually for me, the second half was more tolerable because it turned into like, and I'm not saying like it's good, but for some reason, it sharply turned into like a sp- World War II espionage spy thriller of some kind. Like, I did not see that coming when this movie started. That Oh, that and I'm... don't think that I didn't nominate it for most wildly inconsistent tone, Like, because that is 100% going on the list. But here's the weird thing. Like, I feel like it actually pulls some of that stuff off okay, especially in, like, the last half hour where it's, like, pseudo Inglorious Bastards meets, like, Les Miserables to a degree where they're, like, you know, sneaking around, doing resistance fighting in, in France you know, under occupied Nazi forces and stuff. Like, I was sort of getting into it, and then I realized the movie's over. I almost wish the movie was just like, you know, Inglorious Bastards Light, like what we got in the last half hour, just stretch that out, where Charlize is like a spy, and there's some kind of, like, weird, good weird stuff going on, as opposed to just, like, random weirdness, I felt. I was mentally checked out by the end, so I did not really pay much attention to the last half hour, which I guess is the best half hour of the movie. (laughs) I did sort of come back together at the end when her Nazi boyfriend, her, you know, her spy, or, like, she's undercover, I guess, like, with a Nazi lover. Yeah, absolutely no one knows, though, that she's undercover. So, like, her, her French neighbors think, 
that she's like a Nazi sympathizer and sleeping with the enemy and everything. Right, so which is why she end, gets murdered off yeah. screen at the end of this movie because she's yeah. viewed as this Nazi sympathizer even though she's just trying to get information and winds up saving a guy with that information. Yeah, and we learn that she ends up saving like a lot, like she became pretty much like very valuable to the Allied forces and we don't get a glimpse of any of that. We just get told that at the end, which I feel is a bummer. Like I wanted to see Charlize do spy stuff. Like that would have been interesting, especially considering how sort of passive and just flighty and shallow her character is for like 90% of the movie. Uh, And then we're supposed to think that that's sort of like an act to a degree at the end. I, I don't know. I couldn't buy it. Well, that's why I sort of mentally checked out is because about halfway through this movie, so the first half of the movie is sort of like this, this romance, like this period romance. And it's kind of like, not necessarily love triangles, even though kind of is between Charlize and Guy and Penelope Cruz and her boyfriend from the beginning of the movie. It's all these different relationships intertwining. But then halfway through the movie, Penelope Cruz and Guy both leave to go sort of defend Spain Mm -hmm. against fascism and the Nazis. And, you know, Penelope Cruz becomes a nurse and Guy becomes a soldier. And Charlize doesn't leave because she is like, I don't really, I don't care about the war, all this different stuff. And so when they separated and it sort of became about them, I was like, oh, like we're sort of done with Charlize, I guess. Because it felt like it was sort of her movie up to that point. And then now here, here's like the movie going in a different direction, which is fine yeah. for a movie to do, which is actually kind of a cool thing to do, I think. But the fact that it re- returns to Charlize and that she becomes important again by the end, I didn't care by that point. I was like, I'm done. I was only watching it for her. I, in my brain, was like, oh, she's out of this movie. And I was like, okay, on to the next thing. Yeah, I was expecting her to return. Like, I wasn't expecting to go to war at all in this movie. I thought we were just going to kind of, like, glimpse it from the peripheral. And, like, that was going to be the whole point is that they are ignoring, like, what's actually going on in the world just to have, like, their time together. But that's going to prove to be catastrophic. Like, they're not going to be able to love during wartime is going to be the thing of this. But then, like, I should have (laughs) known. Like, we do so many different things. Like, this movie goes so many different places and like never commits to any of them i should have known we were going to go to war for like 10 minutes and see an ambush a battle and like then penelope cruz get blown up off screen the most understated ambulance explosion in a movie ever where like we see an ambulance drive off and then we hear a noise off screen cut to that ambulance on its side charred cut to her funeral it's like what Mm. Yeah. Well, that so like I had a feeling we were going to get back. I think we were I knew we were going to come full circle. I had a feeling we were going to end with Charlize. However, right off the bat, this movie is very sort of sneaky. It sets it up to be Charlize her movie. Like she is she seems to be the main character. Like we're going to follow her. She's yes. you know, fo- but but we get voiceover from Guy. So I was like, "Oh, like it's really his story." Even if he's not really the central focus, he's telling this. Like, we're seeing all this through his eyes. This is his experience. So when the movie sort of went off on his tangent without Charlize, like, we leave Charlize behind, I was like, okay, here we go. Like, yeah, this movie needs to be his movie for a while. But I always knew we were going to sort of get back to Charlize. I just, 
I don't know. I was just so bummed we didn't at least get to see her. Like, like she died in so many movies. I can't believe she died off screen in this one when, like, it felt the most appropriate to see. Well, I was just super weird about her bummed. death, too, is that she, like, right before she dies off screen, she stares the camera for four or five seconds. Like, why? Yeah. What? Why? <laughs> yeah, it's just really all over the place. Like you said, like, tonally, structurally, uh, it's everywhere. It just can't. It just feels like it can't settle. You know, a completely different type of movie, but I saw yesterday Pacific Rim Uprising, okay? And the movie has, like, the same issues. Like, it just can't... I am so interested to see how you're going to connect these two movies. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, it's just as bad. Like, it can't decide what movie it wants to be. It keeps introducing new stuff like every other scene. It keeps sort of restarting or resetting, and then it sort of goes off on these tangents that don't really mean all that much to the central, like, plot or anything, but maybe shows a little bit of character development and then we just come full circle back at the end where you sort of expected us to end. So, I don't know, it just feels like that in the way that it's like, I want to say this, I want to say this, and I want to say this, and I want to say that, but, like, I don't really care if it's, like, a cohesive narrative or if I'm clearly stating what, a, like, my themes correctly or anything. It's just just felt like I have to say all this stuff, but I'm not sure what it means. I think my problem, my biggest problem with this movie, because I had lots of problems, is that I just didn't care about any of these characters. And so when I was introducing these new things and these new themes and these new places and these new journeys or side stories, none of it like clicked for me until maybe the end. Like if I was paying better attention by the end and I got the better sense that Charlie's like, I was there, like I was watching when she goes over to him in that cafe and it's just like, meet me. Like she's speaking in French. Like she speaks French in this movie, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then she's like speaking in French. She's like, you know, meet me downstairs by the bathrooms or whatever, speaking in German or whatever she's speaking. That in her spy, I was like, that's kind of cool. By that point, like I was so done with the movie that I didn't care. And I feel like the fact that I just didn't connect with any of these characters like Charlize was sort of like in a sense a manic pixie dream girl Penelope Cruz was just a sex object who was beaten and then murdered or not murdered but killed and then Guy is just like this guy who basically seems he like lives to like to sleep with Charlize and I was also (laughs) thinking Mike you know I know how much you hate uh, doing the dirty corn I was thinking maybe uh, getting debauched might work oh I actually (laughs) I don't know why that that just sits better with me getting debauched. Well, it's less gross, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. But yeah, because um, she's, she's talking about, you know, getting debauched and all this different stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, the beginning of this movie is like, sort of like a sex romp. Yeah. And like, Charlize gets like, held up away. Like, this is the same movie where Charlize becomes a Nazi sympathizer, undercut, like a spy who goes undercover as a Nazi sympathizer, and then is murdered off screen. Starts with her and her boyfriend. Her boyfriend throws a party. Charlize gets separated. Guy shows up to the party with another girl. Charlize's boyfriend sleeps with that girl, and then Guy sleeps with Charlize on a pool table, and then they wake up naked the next morning. Like, that's how this movie starts, in a movie that she's going to end for being a Nazi sympathizer. Like, how is that the same movie? You know what, Joey? Like, you actually, it actually starts a little earlier than that, and and it's even more quizzical. It starts in France in the 20s, and I think its child, Charlize, goes to, like, a fortune teller, and she's told that she'll, like, die when she's 34 or something like that? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa like is this like 13 again like is this gonna be like some kind of like teenage comedy like what is happening here i had no idea how that was gonna connect i shouldn't i think we should have known better to a degree and i'm totally with you and like i couldn't connect really to anybody the closest i got to anyone was penelope cruz because well i just loved i thought she had the best introduction where she's like the living statue i was like oh that's 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 a way to enter a movie i don't know like i kind of like she just felt the most fulfilled out 
like she's from Spain and she had to leave because of the war and she was disfigured like one of the soldiers like beat her leg and stuff and she's you know being a model in France to earn money to train as a nurse so she could go back and help with the war she pretty much had like is the only character that has stated what she wants to do and does it like this guy dude i don't even know i never get a grasp of who he is or what he wants like when we meet him he just seems like an academic just like this sort of greenish doesn't know about the world only knows what he or learned women from books yeah oh no nothing about women i don't even think he knows who he is and then the first like 20 minutes is just charlie's like teasing him and like getting him to like come to france and then he goes back to london it's like france london france like i'm so i've got whiplash with the relationship in the first ha- like half hour of this movie and it's really not until Penelope Cruz is introduced where I was like okay like at least I could grasp onto her and then try and like stay afloat and then she dies and I was like oh shit she's gone um, and we go back to France but like I thought it was kind of interesting what happened with, with Penelope Cruz's character like she's like so gorgeous and so beautiful in France and then when we meet up with her on the battlefield I mean she looks like hell you know she looks just like like she's been blistered by the sun and beaten by the elements and the strain of war and everything so I was like okay like she's really given it I feel like she's in this movie more than anyone else, at least. Yeah, which is cool. She's also top build in this movie again, which is important to note. What else oh, her and Charlize. It's it's Charlize, yeah, then Charlize her. Charlize number and, one and Penelope yeah. Cruz number two. Yeah, which is cool because the movie, you know, it feels like it's about the guy for a while, but I guess whatever his name is, I don't even, I'm not even going to look him up. No, Peter Townsend, I think. Uh, the fact that he is not top two build is cool. This director who also write this, wrote this movie has made like 25 movies. I've seen none of them. I was Whoa. like, that's probably not a good sign. But I was also trying to figure out, like, I was sort of confused before I even started the movie, because there's a couple other movies called Head in the Clouds, and I was convinced, I convinced myself that this was a remake, and it wasn't. It's just a straight-up new invention by this guy who apparently doesn't know how to tell stories. It's not even based on a book or anything, because this totally feels like there's half a no, novel yeah, sitting somewhere. That's also, like, well, the fact that it wasn't based on a novel or a previous thing, like, it's just, he's the huh. writer, that's it, end of story. I was like, oh, God. It's weird, like, there's this wave, like, you mentioned before we started recording, like, it kind of felt like Captain Corelli for a while, and I was like, well, it even kind of felt like Walt in the clouds with Keanu like there's this weird genre of romance war stuff and I guess Pearl Harbor's in there somewhere I've never seen Pearl Harbor but I guess I think that has more action than usual Uh, in it I've never really been able to get through these types of movies like I don't know what so here here is uh, a recommendation that I didn't think about until I started until we started recording I did not think of this recommendation there was a movie that I saw last year at Fantastic Fest I don't know when it's coming out it's called See You Up There and it is a French all French language World War One film that's also kind of a love story and it is magnificent it's beautiful it's incredible i cannot say enough good things about it i don't know when it's coming out this movie like because i was thinking like i just like you i don't like this genre like this like it feels like the kind of people who like i think there's a certain kind of woman and not, not this is like a criticism or a compliment or anything but it's just like there's a certain type of woman generally but a person maybe who love like those like period like the, the jane austen mm-hmm. sort of like that's like their ideal romance and jane austen novels are really funny like they're sometimes really really great and i do like yeah, some of them she's super witty right like right yeah i think there are people who idealize that 
version of romance as the epitome of romance. And mm. this, I feel, is sort of like kind of a modern version of that. I guess modern as maybe that can be. Like, it's enough of a bygone era that you can sort of romanticize this as well. Like, I feel like you can't really do this about the Vietnam War or anything mm-hmm. more recent. Like, it no, just, yeah. it's too gritty and real and raw. Like, there's enough time removed that you can talk about, like, the greatest generation and, like, tell right. these love stories. Yeah. And like you, I don't like any of these, except some... Like, and that's why, like, you know, see you up there, when I was watching the trailer, because it was one of the last films added to the Fantastic Fest slate last year, I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this at all, but there was getting such rave reviews, I was like, let me give it a shot, and I was blown away. So I think there are there are versions of this story, or this type of movie out there, that are good. Yeah. And I was also thinking while we were watching this, because I had, had so much time to think of other things, that when we talked about <laughs> Something's Gotta Give for Keanu Club, I couldn't get Tobin's voice out of my head, like, they're not making this movie for you. Yeah. Like, they're making this for someone else. This is someone else's, like, exa- like favorite movie or whatever. And that's cool, but we had to watch you and I had to watch it, and whoo boy! Yeah, I hear all of that totally. I I agree with a lot of that. Like, there's something to me very mainstream in general, just about romance films, no matter like if they're period pieces or if they take place today or if they're in the future or whatever. So to me, this just felt like very safe and sort of calculated and sort of like we're going for a certain demographic and you know whether it be men or women that like this type of stuff I I think you also latched on to something about the era like this is that total I don't know it's just I think the idea that it's a world war and you know this is the end of this is possibly like the end of everything there was just an air of romanticism about it all and chivalry and there were just values back then that stood for more I guess and then when we got closer to stuff like Vietnam and and everything in the Iraq war like it just feels like dirty like the stories we're telling aren't about the relationships between the men and the women it's between the men and the men fighting the war in the shit and stuff and like things just got way 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 heavier in that in that direction but still yeah I think like my issue is this is geared very much toward like a mainstream audience there's nothing very controversial going on in this film with the material they really shy away from what I feel was supposed to be a heavy theme which was the lesbianism between Charlize yes. and Penelope Cruz and there is like zero of that I'm not saying like you know I need that or anything but I'm just saying like it's obviously something they should have tackled well because they, they bring it up yeah when, they when bring Penelope it. Cruz <laughs> and Guy are talking when they're away at war she says you know we were lovers and it's like you know I, I sort of sense that and like that's it like that's the beginning and the end it's like yeah why was that why include that at all if you're not gonna like like they sort of like I guess sort of kind of hint at it but again that's another thing that I don't like about this kind of movie. It's like, it's the extreme subtlety of everything. You don't have to just come out and say it, but like, do, like give a little bit more. Yeah. Like, for it to be such like a core part of these characters, like, show a little bit more. Personally, for me, it's a movie like Inglorious Bastards is exactly what I want from this type of material. Believe it or not, there's like a lot of romance in that movie. You know, it's just mostly one-sided, like characters are not reciprocating the romantic advances and stuff, but like all the stuff like the French war thing and the sort of like tiptoeing around like relationships and you know with the Germans and the French girl and that whole stuff like I feel like you know the idea of having to be with a German officer just to survive but then sort of also being a spy the whole time like I really like how they did all that in Inglorious Bastards like that's the issue is like you know this material feels like you really need to push it and so when they 
do sort of like a light version of it. I mean, this isn't all light. Like, a Nazi does get his head blown off in front of Charlize and his brain splattered all over her and everything. Like, that does eventually happen. Like, there are moments in this movie, but in the long run, they I feel like they really shy away from the material, where, like, there's examples of other movies that really take it all the way. And it's too bad, because there's a lot of moments here that I feel are missed, which makes it even more frustrating. We are not alone in not liking this movie. I was looking on Wiki, because I went on Wiki to read the plot oh, summary. Because I'm I surprised, like, though, because I went to rate this on Letterboxd, and there's like four oh, yeah. stars, three and a half stars. I was like, Oh, yeah, the, the average rating is a 3.1. On IMDb, it's like a high six out of ten. And I was oh. like, oh, boy. So I think the public, I think you're right, like the mainstream audience likes this. But... On Wiki, Stephen Holden, the New York Times, we don't normally do this because I don't really care, but I went right, to the Wiki <laughs> to look at the, because I mean, it, it really, it doesn't matter, like, because what, what this podcast is, for better or worse, is what we think of it and how it sort of fits into her overall arc. I don't really care what film critics say, unless I stumble upon it, and they absolutely agree with me. And so, <laughs> I went to Wiki to look at the plot summary, because I was like, I am not following this, because I'm not really paying attention, and I wanted to make sure I knew what happened. It's like, halfway through the movie, I read the plot summary, I was just like, I'm just going to read the rest of this, because I don't like this movie and so I knew what happened and it's sort of I was able to like look up be like oh there's the ambulance oh there she is like telling the guy to go downstairs Stephen Holden the New York Times says the strength of Charlize's go for broke performance only underlines the weaknesses of the film which plays like an entertaining compilation of Hollywood's favorite World War II cliches and so it's like yeah like Charlize is going for it but there's nothing else of substance here and it's things you've seen before over and over again yeah and it's lots of things you've seen before that could sort of handle their own movie cram all into this like there's like 15 minutes of this movie was like taken and stretched out and made into Captain Corelli's mandolin you know what I'm saying like technically like that movie is in this movie yep also like that's what I'm getting at is like there's just they tried to tackle way way too much to the point where it's just like it's it's like the whatever the load-bearing beam was like snapped about three-fourths of the way through and the movie just slowly sort of like crumbled into a pile of mess (laughs) Peter Travers of Rolling Stone gave it one of four stars and called it a World War II melodrama of epic silliness and supreme vapidity. This spark-free film has no place to go on the cast resumes except under the heading of cringing embarrassment. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. It's really weird when you when he can like stage a real like the movie looks beautiful, okay? Like there's the one compliment I could always throw out when it deserves it. The movie looks great. And he can stage a sequence. Like he can stage like a really sort of cutesy sort of like cute meaty cute kind of thing between Charlize and Guy like they there's there's moments where I believe him but then the next scene happens and I don't believe anything and then there's moments at the end with the war stuff where like wow like this guy could like really stage like street battle or you know a firefight uh, and then he'll just slip up in the next scene where he has Charlize stare directly down the camera it's just like wait what the guy's got like talent it's just like misdirected in all these weird ways so, like, it doesn't feel like a, a, the same movie a lot no, of the time. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I have one other review, and I thought it might fill into that, but it doesn't. In the San Francisco Chronicle, Walter Adiego called it a glossy, stiff melodrama. If not for Charlize Theron, it's hard to imagine this film would have attracted anywhere near the kind of attention it's gotten. She's not at all bad, but her role as a young American heiress and libertine feels recycled from scores of other movies. Hmm. There's fine stuff in this. There's things that aren't bad. There are things that could be better. There are glimpses of a better movie. But the package that's here just feels like movies I don't like. It also reminded me of The Last Time I Committed Suicide, which is like these like young 
aimless, mm-hmm. ambling around young people who are all, for the most part, attractive, like, just living a carefree lifestyle until, like, shit gets real, man, and, like, that it just, they have to go be grown-ups. Like, I don't understand, like, what is this, what is the point of this movie? Yeah, there was sort of a moment in this where it's like, the party's over, and I was like, wait, what? What party? We're having fun? <laughs> like, I didn't realize, like, no. Like, to me, everyone seemed like they were running from something, but Charlize's character seems to think, like, everybody's exactly where they want to be, like, having a great time. The movie never really convinces me that they're having like this great carefree existence while the war is going on like I kind of got the sense that at least Guy and Penelope Cruz were like really troubled the whole time and they weren't on the same page so like I I think I was wrong though I don't think that was the director's intent I think the intent was to show like look like you said like look like we don't have a care in the world like loving the time our heads are in the clouds I guess right (laughs) yeah our heads are in the clouds exactly Uh, like our feet are not on the ground and I really do wish that you know, maybe that was set up a lot better. I, I just think, like, we travel too much and we cover too much time and we do too many time jumps in that first, like, 45 minutes to an hour where they're really setting up that whole, like, look at how ideal our, you know, rich, beautiful existence is. Because then when war comes and they go to the movies and they're all like, we're going to Spain, uh, it would have hit. It would have had an It would have, I would have felt like, you know, an impact or something. But instead, I was just like, wait, what's going on now? Like, why are we all of a sudden you just want to go to war you don't seem like you ever had these convictions like i thought you were a scholar yeah i don't know i, I can't tell I don't, it's just really on top of it being long and boring it's like all these other issues like i could i could kind of deal with it better with, with pacific rim uprising because that movie just fucking flies by and it's like loud and obnoxious and stuff and distracting you know it's not, it's it's not like this movie where I'm like the last thing I was was like distracted. <laughs> like, but no, yeah, because this movie wants to be like a prestige movie. Like it wants yeah. to be like look at the, look at the way that we're handling these tough topics. Like look at our way that we're like so smart that we're able to reference World War, sort of the time between World War One and World War Two. Like look at mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. But no, 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 <laughs> no. I still think the best wartime romance drama ever is probably Casablanca, even though it's like not. In you know Casablanca is this it's sort of like the city you go to to escape from war. It's like there's no actual battle in that, and we're not on the front lines or anything. But the sort of that whole idea of like occupied city and sneaking around and trying to get out of the country, like and then running into like a long lost lover, like that movie still holds up in that regard. And like I really feel like they wanted to try and get some of that at the end here when they reconnect in France and stuff. But we've got other stuff going on. We've got like like Charlize the Spy and Guy the Spy and and other things like that. Like, I really wish this ended after the war when they sort of like met up, you know, decided, yeah, we are not right for each other or not or something, you know, I don't know. I just really feel like we were left dangling almost like there's no real, I don't feel any real conclusion, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, neither do I. I'm just glad that we did not have a guest for this episode because oh, there are some yes. movies that I would be, I would feel so bad. You know, we have we have guests. I just, I'm looking right now. We have guests for the next 17 episodes, and I can tell you without a doubt, there's going to be shitty movies in there because Watch the Throne has been filled with shitty movies. Oh, but it's been so rough. I'm gonna, we're we're going to apologize to some people in the future, but I'm just glad that nobody was on this episode. Yeah, I I was thinking maybe like if Austin was on, we he might have had like a couple of like clever observations for us to well, pick up on or something. Speaking of Austin, I did get a sort of a a connection of 15 minutes in this movie where Charlize is talking about Penelope Cruz and how she has an exclusive contract on her modeling. I was like, oh, oh is she sort of like giving flashes of her 15 minutes persona? There was one moment in here that I felt was um, 
full-on Charlize. I don't know if it was worth watching the whole movie for, but there's a scene where she's in the bathtub wearing a hat oh, yeah. and tie. Okay. okay. <laughs> so here's another thing. So this is at least the third movie she's been in a bathtub. Yeah. It's the first movie that she got naked in a bathtub. Because in Sweet November, she's in the bathtub with Keanu. In Waking Up in Reno, she yeah. is in the bathtub, but there's, it's not, that's not sexual. It's like a hot tub, bathtub combo yeah. thing. Yeah. And then this, she is naked in this bathtub for like what feels like longer nudity than we've had in a long time. Like mm-hmm. she's on screen just like the camera is ogling her and her topless body for a while. And I was like, this feels so late in her career to be like objectified this way. Like I get that if you want to get if I'm sure she probably had some some say in this. I don't I don't know. It's hard it's hard to know yeah. you know what the vibe is like on set. I feel like at this point in her career she probably has some say in it. But like why is it going on for so long? And why yeah. this movie? And why with the guy <laughs> from Trapped? I know, that blows my mind the most. Like there's no way I ever I would never have thought that was the same guy i never thought they would have hired that guy again for anything look i'm not an actor i can't say He's i could been do in better a bunch of movies though the one thing about the nudity in this was i actually didn't think they were going to show it and then they did and i was like oh man it was like so tasteful and then you kind of not well, ruin it but like <laughs> no well just tasteful. the sense just in that they weren't showing anything i felt like i thought they that bathtub scene was just going to end and then she kind of gets up in the bathtub and leans forward and they start making right. out and and it goes on and on if she didn't get out of the bathtub it's like this like cute intimate scene where she's in a hat and a tie and it's like oh look look how close they are but then it becomes like this like seedy scene sort of like i mean it's still like romantic i guess between them but it changes Dude, the way yeah. that we watch it and it's like look like let's objectify her there is yeah. a scene earlier in this movie though where a guy is dressing Charlize. Oh, She's like, help God. me close my dress. Yeah. He starts kissing her neck and then basically turns her around and goes down on her while she's standing up. And I was like, what? Dude, yeah, the the sex in this movie just feels so, like, aggressive and unrealistic and movie sex to me. Like, even starting back on the pool table, I was like, how are they... She's just gonna go right on... To, like, I don't even look like oh, they're... that in table the ra- is ruined. That, <laughs> is that too. Ruined. Well, I'm sure he, like, buys... He throws that out and buys a new one because those dudes are, like, Gatsby rich. When he's, like, going down on her, I was like, there's no pleasure in that. Like, like, there, how, what, that doesn't even work like that. Like, he is, the way he's just, like, sort of, like, in front of her, I couldn't see how that worked. And then later on in the movie, there's a scene where I guess they're going at it, and someone's, and Penelope Cruz, like, kind of, like, spies on them, or, like, sees them, and they're just, like, devouring each other in, like, movie sex way. Like, it just does not look at all, like, passionate or sensual or any of that it just feels like aggressive and like counter to the tone of the movie like it should be you know like nice i feel like it should be like nice romantic sex not just like brutal sex it's weird first of all i want to say there are so many scenes where charlie's and guy make out or have sex with another guy in the apartment somewhere else like, I think when he goes down on her, her boyfriend or her fiancé or whatever in the other room... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. There's a scene where he visits her, and she's with the new guy, who she eventually abandons. He's, like, getting ready for bed, and, like, she grabs him, and they make out, and, like, you can see the guy in the background. Then there's a scene where Penelope Cruz sees them, and it's like, why is this... Like, is it just to show that the, their passion cannot be quelled by the presence of another person? But then, there's the other scene. Guy and some woman... I don't remember who the woman is... But he hears Charlize and her first boyfriend having sex through the walls. Yeah. Like, it's a waking up in Reno thing. But yeah. at least that fit in the 
wacky tone of that. This is just like, why does this feel like an 80s sex comedy when it's like a 1930s period drama? Yeah, and here was sort of the coup de grace for me is the S&M sex scene stuff. Oh, to get back at the guy who beat up on Penelope yeah. Cruz. Yeah. Like, just including any of that at all was baffling to me. I guess, what were they trying to say? That, like, even in the 30s, people were kinky? Like, well, duh. I like, so, people were always well, sexually <laughs> kink, like, freaks, you know? People were always freaky in, in the sheets and stuff. Like, I mean, look, I, I, I think it's a good sort of, like, revenge for her out of nowhere in the middle of this movie, but it is not, like, necessary at all to well, go down this avenue. So what I did not like about that scene was the entire scene. Yeah. What I did like about the scene was that they set it up kind of well the scene before when Charlize sees Penelope Cruz beaten up and she's like, please close, please close the door, please close the door. And then she goes and Guy is like, I'm going to tell the police. Like, let's go to the police. And Charlize says, you can't because, you know, Penelope Cruz is like this exotic dancer or whatever. They're yeah, she's basically she a stripper. It, whatever. Kind of like, it's, it sucks and it's terrible. And then Guy is like, well, I'm going to go beat him up. And then he's, and she's like, yeah, then you're going to get arrested. So Charlize, like, I like that the movie takes the initiative to be like, Charlize knows that the only way to get back at this guy is to sort of embarrass him sort of in like a dragon tattoo way. Like, it's like a sort of a less extreme dragon tattoo way. I don't know why they have to show it for as long as they do other than like, hey, look at Charlie Starrett in the sexy underwear. Like, look at this. Yeah. Like, I, oh, Yeah, yeah. And I didn't get the sense that that guy would leave them alone. Like, the, there's, again, like, there's no closure to these scenes, to a lot of this stuff for me. Like, I felt like that guy is still out there and he's going to come back at some point And like, you know, maybe he's going to pop up at the end and like shoot somebody. I don't know. But I, we never really get told that he's like, we're done with him. We just get like, Charlie's is just like, I've handled that. That's all. Like, the movie lets us know. But, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, no, like, if I was writing this, like, that's not the end of that character. Like, he needs to come back or or some kind of thing. Like, maybe he teams up with the Nazis at the end or something. That all that stuff, though, that just goes along with more of that just like how sex in this movie is just, like, it's not tender. It's not passionate, which is seems like the opposite of what they were going for with, like, a romantic wartime movie, you know? Like, I'm just confused. Yep. Like, that's what's that's what's going on now. It's like, uh, it's not romantic. It's weird. Like, it's aggressive and off-putting. The only other note that I have, it's one thing that I did like about this movie, is that when Charlize and Guy are going to see her dad, she's driving oh, yeah. the car, which is cool. I mean, she's I, probably her car because she's, like, this, you know, millionaire heiress or whatever, but she's driving the car, and it's a cool car. And so I was thinking, you know, I was thinking about two fast you forever you know thinking about what car is this can we play the car guessing game and then i was also just like i like that in this weird sort of progressive moment it's not the guy driving the car it's charlie's driving the car so i, I sort of like that i mean that yeah. is such a minor thing to be excited about <laughs> in the movie but i had nothing else going for me in this movie i i actually quite liked how her dad was portrayed because i think we find out her mom is like a crazy person who like jumped overboard right like she killed herself like on a cruise ship or something i think there's like one headline and it's like attempted suicide and then guy is like at Charlize theron's mom's funeral so i had to like piece that together i'm not sure if i even got that straight but i i do like the way her dad is portrayed where it's like at first you see him and you think that he's gonna be sort of like this hard-ass general dude but he just turns out to be like a normal dad and he's just like what are you up to what are you doing you're still doing the acting like who's this new boyfriend la di da and then they have like that dinner he kind of caught me off guard i was like let's spend more time here at this estate like this is gorgeous like she's loaded like let's just hang out here for 
another like 20 30 minutes but the movie's like nope this was just another one of those diversions that we're gonna take another one in about 10 minutes so hold on to your socks oh boy I have nothing else to say about this movie. you have anything else you want to say about Head in the Clouds? The only thing I was thinking about while watching this, or one of the only other things I was thinking about, is when she might have shot this movie. Like, I just hope she shot this before Monster and, like, chose this movie, you know, before she had more sort of, I guess, freedom. Or I just wish... I just... I don't know. I just hope this came... Because it came out after Monster. I just hope it was made before Monster. Because, I don't know. I If this was, like, all she was offered after that movie, like, that's crazy. You know, like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Like, I, I really want to know what was the movie she made after Monster that she just, you know, that was like the, okay, now I've got the Oscar. I've sort of could like pretty much like got all anything I want to do. I hope it wasn't this. I don't know. But again, circumstances, like we never know any of that stuff. What, what, you know, she could have been contractually obligated to make this movie or something. Who knows? But it's just too bad that this came out after Monster. Because I'm looking and like the next movie she's doing is The Life and Death of Peter Sellers, which I know you're excited about your Pink Panther fetish, but <laughs> that's also a TV movie. So I'm assuming that was sort of like a, a quick thing, maybe like a favor. I, I don't know if, you know, that's sort of yeah. a real generalization. We'll find out next week. The movie after that is North Country, which she's the star of, which I've never seen, but has a really stacked cast, so I think that's probably something she wanted to do. And then the movie after that is Aeon Flux, which I'm sure she was like, Hmm. hey, I did this heavy drama, I want to go do like a movie where I kick some ass. And I feel like, I I agree with you, I I hope that this is not the movie she did immediately following Monster, and I don't know that the next movie is going to be either, even though that came out in 2000, oh, also in 2004, okay. But then from 2005 on, I think that's sort of like when we're in the era of, like, Academy Award winner Charlie Starring. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah, it's just because I was, like, charting that kind of stuff. Like, it's always just interesting to see what the actor does after they win the award, you know? And, like, most of the times, it's a big blockbuster disaster of some kind like that and like here we got a disaster but it wasn't what I was expecting after Monster I was I definitely thinking something more like Eon Flux would come next and then we would sort of get back to this type of thing down the line yeah like what Cage did right yeah alas we talked about this we are going to try to play a game that we played last week with Kara which I have not edited that episode yet but I'm going to cut out entirely because it did not work she was confused, and rightfully so, because we did not explain it well, we did not set it up well, we threw her in over her head. So, we started this podcast off with 10 episodes of the recast game. We quickly got tired of that, got burnt out, moved on. Then we did 10 episodes of Pitch a Sequel, where we tried to pitch a sequel to a movie that we were talking about. Thank God we don't have to do Head in the Clouds 2, that's all I can say. <laughs> head in space. <laughs> yes. Just like the first game, we got tired and burnt out of this one. So we're moving on again. What we're going to try to do, and I don't know how the best do this, but it's better that we're on an episode together alone than with a guest, is we're going to try to connect or create a shared Charlize universe. And then with every movie that we do, with the next eight going through episode 30, we're going to weave that narrative in somehow. So I think for guests, even though they haven't seen the previous movies, if we tell them the story of mm-hmm. what we're creating, they'll at least be able to... Because, I, I, I mean, I don't want to brag, but we have pretty creative friends, and I think they'll be able to, like, sort of play along and sort of improv with us. Uh-huh. I think that if we tell them the story with, like, these, like, five or ten or whatever Charlize characters running around in this world, they're going to be able to weave in the current movie, whatever movie we're doing, into that. 
Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. This might go up in big flames. Who knows? But <laughs> It might be something we just revisit when we have solo episodes, too, and build up. So we'll come back to this when we do The Huntsman Winter's War, and then that's probably it forever. So, okay. <laughs> maybe. Here's what we're going to do, Mike. Since I have a random number generator, we have now done 22 episodes. So we're going to do Head in the Clouds because that's, this is the current one. But I'm right. going to take four... How many do you want to, how many do you want to weave together? Do you want to do five or do you want to do more than five or less than five? Um, let's, let's start with five. Let's see okay. how that goes. So I'm going to do random numbers between one and 21 and then we're going to link these movies together in a narrative All that right. we're going to elaborate upon for the next eight weeks. So, first up, Head in the Clouds. Next is number six. Oh, cool. Devil's Advocate. Nice. Three, which is that thing you do. We're on a... eh, All right. It's seven, which is celebrity. (laughs) Thirteen, Men of Honor. Okay. All right. And then two, Two Days in the Valley. Okay. Okay. So we're now going to create... Oh, no, no, no. We're not doing that because we're doing five total. So forget that one. So now we are going to weave together Head in the Clouds, The Devil's Advocate, That Thing You Do, Celebrity, and Men of Honor. So, I think the place to begin, maybe, is Men of Honor and this movie, because they're both sort of period pieces. You want to do, like, theatrically, like, chronologically, movie time-wise? Like, the movies that take place I think so. So, like, this this Charlize is an ancestor to the modern-day Charlize I. Yes. C-H-A-R-L-E-Z-I. Plural of Charlize is Charlize I. (laughs) I like it. This? Okay. Okay. So, oh, hmm, hmm, hmm. Okay. Uh-oh. What's the matter? I'm trying to think. Okay, so here, here's what happens. <laughs> Guy gets Charlize pregnant before he goes to war. We don't see okay. that. So she is this Nazi sympathizer, all this different stuff. She gives birth. I, I don't know if this fits at all. We're, we might throw this out. But she, she gives birth off screen. There's a baby <laughs> in this movie that we never see, that we never hear of. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> but the baby is born in, say, like 1940-ish. That baby then goes on, following in her mother and father's footsteps, these war heroes, in a way. She goes on to marry... She moves to America, because uh, Charlize is an American heiress. So she moves back to America. She moves in with her grandfather, maybe. Who knows? Whatever. She then grows up has such fond admiration for military people that she then marries a military person and has... She, she then becomes the Charlize. The baby that Charlize has in this movie becomes the Charlize in Men of Honor. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. Now you connect it from there to whatever other the other three. So we have Devil's Advocate. That Thing You that Do thing is you next. Do, and Celebrity. Any, any order you want. Okay. Well, I think That Thing You Do is next, right? Like as far as like chronologically... Or is that in between? No, because he's going to Vietnam in that movie, right? Okay. Yeah, so that's like 56 or 7 or something like that. Okay. So I'm taking Charlize uh, uh, from Men of Honor. Where she is now married to Robert De Niro. She's married to De Niro. De Niro's like a, you know, in that movie, he's like a alcoholic. Yep. He's sort of like, lose, like throughout the movie, he loses his like career and everything yep. like that. And then at the end, everyone kind of gets their honor back in the courtroom and everything. Yes. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But... But De Niro, like... ten steps. Yeah, yeah. But, like, Cuba goes on to greatness. Like, yes. De Niro's character is sort of forgotten into the annals of history and, and all that kind of thing. So what I am proposing that happens is uh, is just that, like, after that courtroom thing, De Niro just, like, hits the bottle like crazy, dies, 
Charlize becomes a widow and she's like you know what like this military life has been in my family for too long like my mom was down with Guy in France like I was down with De Niro Uh, where were they in the south somewhere Texas right something like that she's like I gotta get out of here I'm going to California okay I'm gonna find me a dentist (laughs) and settle down but she gets sidetracked and runs into another person named Guy and is like this oh. is kismet. Whoa. My grandma was at war with a guy named Guy. I found this dude named Guy. I'm going to stick with him for a while and see what happens. So Charlize, is, so just just to be clear, and it's fine, because we don't have to, it don't have to be the same Charlize. Cause it's no, I know. Charlize. Yeah. So yeah. this Charlize in, that's now with Guy is a different Charlize, or is it the same Charlize? No, this is the same Charlize. She has left, uh, well, De Niro died on her, and she went right. out, and she went. But is this the same Charlize from That Thing You Do, or are there two Charlize now in this universe? Um, can it be the same? I was hoping it could be the same. It could be the same, sure. Can we go with that? I mean, is that too crazy to... No, I think it's fine. Because <laughs> I love the idea that, like, her and her mom both had sex with someone named Guy, or at least, like, yeah. are involved with someone named Guy. Right. So I want to, like, for my turn, I'd like to keep it the same character. She just changed her name and identity because oh. she needed a fresh start. <laughs> I have... Okay, so I have a great idea to link the last two together. Okay, Charlize in this movie, once again, classic staple, gets pregnant off screen, has another baby. <laughs> I, I, lo- <laughs> it's, I love that. <laughs> just love, like, let's just keep that up as much as possible. <laughs> it's how we jump 30 years in time. <laughs> so now we are now... You know, Charlize is now 35 or 30 years old or whatever in the 90s. So it's it's exactly where we need to be. Whatever. And she's fine, married fine. to the dentist now, right? Because she, she drops Guy and she goes in that movie with the dentist. Yes. So, okay. yeah, she, she gets pregnant with Guy's baby, has birth to another girl named Charlize, but she's with the dentist now. Mm. So she and the dentist, whatever. They move on. They do whatever because we're now following the baby Charlize. Yes, so the baby yes, okay. Charlize is like, okay... I know that my mother rebelled from her mother by going to California and leaving this lifestyle behind, but I'm rebelling against my mother and moving back to the South because that's where I feel a kinship. And she goes down there. She is this beautiful woman because, you know, throughout our history, there's always been, there's been a series. This is a third generation beautiful Charlize. And she meets a young hotshot lawyer named Keanu Reeves. And that was his. <laughs> that was yep. his character name. I can't yep. remember. Keanu Reeves, <laughs> and they fall in love and they get married. And then nice. the events of The Devil's Advocate happen. They move back up to New York, as they do in the movie. Charlize. This is where the paths diverge a little bit. Okay. Or so here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lay out two futures. Okay, because I had an idea too. You like so let's better. hear it. Cool. So either number one, while The Devil's Advocate is going on, Charlize in her boredom pursues a side career as a supermodel or number two after the devil's advocate resets at the end oh when we go back and charlie's and keanu drive away they drive away but keanu knowing what he knows about this alternate timeline has like a mental breakdown or something and they break up because he it's just the burden of what he knows and that the devil is real drives him mad so then charlie's now with money, I don't know, she doesn't have money because she's just like a regular lawyer in the South. She moves to New York the way that she always wanted to, and that's when she becomes a supermodel. So do you like it as a side gig or one, a future after Keanu Reeves has a mental breakdown and gets committed, <laughs> say, because he's like, the devil is real and no one believes him? I love the idea that all of the events of The Devil's Advocate took place and he it rewinds or it like resets so that Charlize is alive again. I love yep. that concept. And then 
Keanu can't take it. Yep. Yeah, I love the breakdown thing. <laughs> and she's always wanted to go to New York, and she goes up there and becomes like the model. Definitely. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> That's cool. hilarious. There's something like poetic about it being like after the reset. <laughs> like, I love that idea. Yeah. Cool. I like the. I mean, I don't know if this is a game per se, but I really had fun trying to do this <laughs> in the last episode. So I'm glad we're working it out this time too you know what i might do is i might like take that game from last episode remove it from that episode but keep it separate no actually because it got real dark and i don't know why no it got too dark but the world but, yeah like what we figured out there was it's fun to link the movies together but yeah. we couldn't we didn't quite link them properly I, I think we went like this idea of the randomizing thing needed to happen like we were going in an order and yep. trying to sort of restrict it too much i think like whatever it is it's been a lot of fun though <laughs> so no I, I love the idea of just doing five random movies i wish so that's what's hard about having the guests that don't know all the movies because i wish that we could do this every week or just pick five different random movies but most yeah. people are only have, gonna have seen the one or maybe two so i think what we can do is just use this narrative or when we have a guest we can give the guest an option we can either say we can use the narrative that we've built or the one from last week or whatever or we can just take five random movies and try to link them together. There you go. That's kind of fun. It'll be up to the it'll be up to the guest. Okay, yeah, because that still works. Like I would still, you know, even if one of those movies is one we've done before, like that's that's fun. Like, can you connect these five movies somehow yep. in the Charlizaverse or the Theronaverse? What did you come up with? Did you? Um, no, I, I call it the Fastiverse. That was my most recent coining for the Fast and Furious movies. I, I know, but you didn't, you didn't have one for the Theronaverse or something? Or I probably did, because I do that with everything, but I can't think of what I would have been. So like, if it's not coming okay. to my mind quickly, because I don't yeah. put any thought into anything that I say in these podcasts. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what okay. it would have been. All right, well, that's another. That's something we could work on later. But like, yeah, sure. so I, I like, because like, whatever this is, again, I'm not sure if it's a game, but it, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> So that's all that counts. So just to recap, we have Charlize in this movie has a baby off screen. That baby moves to America where her family and genealogy are from. That baby grows up, falls in love with another military man. He dies. She then moves and falls in love with a traveling musician who has her, has that guy's baby off screen. Or maybe it's a dentist baby. Either way, it doesn't matter. Has a baby with either guy or the dentist. Although it is, I do agree with you that it's more poetic that he's just a guy, a baby with another name. I, I like that in two generations, it's a baby with a guy named Guy off screen yeah. completely. So yeah. I kind of like that. Has a baby with Guy, that baby then grows up. So it's also conceivable in this world that mother, like grandmother Charlize or mother Charlize, now this like 60 year old Charlize, is still around. She's like oh, you know, yeah. either in Pittsburgh or California or something, um, or Ohio or wherever they were. The baby Charlize, the third generation Charlize, grows up, falls, in, moves back to the South, falls in love with Keanu Reeves. Moves, moves back to, to the New South York. like out of spite. Yes, out of spite. <laughs> Toward her ancestors. <laughs> mm -hmm. Moves to New York with Keanu Reeves. Then the movie resets. She's actually back in the South. Then moves to New York as she always wanted to and becomes a supermodel. So what a journey for these three Charlize I. I like it. I like it. I mean, do you like it? Are you good? I love it. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, I can't wait to tell Kara, hey, sorry about last week, but we figured it out. We still gave her the option to pitch a sequel. I think she came up with like a good sequel, so maybe we could leave that stuff in. I don't know. Oh, I'll leave that in. I'm just going to take out the thing where we talk about like terrible, oh, okay. terrible things. So <laughs> that's all going to come out. That was a great example of how story just like dictates itself if you let it. Like if you stop trying to like force it and just like <laughs> let a story tell itself, like it'll go in a direction you don't expect. And that one went way off in its own direction. Yeah. 
Okay, for the Watch the Throne Awards, maybe the Golden Wallpapers, maybe the Golden Teeth, I have three things I nominated this for. I, for, I mentioned one before, Most Wildly Inconsistent Tone. Yep. I actually mentioned another one before, Most Extreme Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And then I also wrote down, you said you didn't think that there was going to be enough, or you weren't. You didn't know that there was one before. You're now up to three Best Dance Scene. We have her yeah. dancing with Penelope Cruz in this movie, which is pretty cool, but also, like, why is that happening? I didn't have two pretty ladies dance. Pregnant dancing and eating in The Astronaut's Wife, and dancing on the couch with Natasha Richardson in Waking Up in Reno. Nice. Is there anything else you want to nominate this for? Any other actors or actresses that were either good or bad? Like, I feel like Penelope Cruz is not given enough wanna... to do. Yeah, like, I really want to nominate her just for lack of supporting actresses in other... Like, she's top build, and I don't know. I do like... I do feel like she's the only one with, like, a complete story here, but she you could also kind of remove her from the movie, and it kind of wouldn't matter, which is terrible to say, even worse to realize. You know, do you kind of feel that, too? Like, you could kind of just sort of, like, slip her out of this movie, and I don't know that any that much of this would change. Oh, 100%. Yeah, so, I don't know. I'd like to nominate her, but I just don't know. I'm going to nominate uh, Stuart Townsend as Will Jennings and Guy in Trapped and Head in the Clouds. He's terrible, man. That's the guy, right? He's not good. Like, watching this movie, Joey, like, I'm not even joking, man. Like, I just have to stop the podcast to say this one more time. Like, watching this movie, I was like, this guy is the worst. (laughs) This guy, like, there's no way he's been in anything before. There's no way I know him from anything. Like, it is just, I mean, it's just perfect that it's the same actor. I just, I could never have imagined that. Oh, but also, when Charlize meets him for the first time, she says to him, are you British or Irish? And I was like, that was the same question we were asking in Trapped. <laughs> and it's, I was asking it this whole movie, too. I was like, where's your Irish accent? And then I was like, wait, what's with this Irish accent? Like, it just, oh, it's here, it's there, it's gone, it's back, it's all over the map. No song or cinematography or a score soundtrack of note for this, I don't think. No, it looks pretty, but I didn't, not to the degree, I feel like the atmosphere was doing all the work. Like, really, I would give it to, you know, if we had to nominate someone, if this was the Oscars, I would give it to the production assistant or something like that or uh, set designer because like all this guy really had to do was point a camera because France is fucking beautiful you know it's like yep. and like all the interiors are just gorgeous and stuff so there were a handful of quotes that I wrote down early on that I do not want to nominate them for but it's like when when this is like a sex romp uh, Charlize says to Guy you also have a nice willy and I hope to dream about it oh when, my god when his boner is poking her in the leg later when they right before they get they debauch each other she gets home (laughs) and he says to her you shouldn't go up there and she says why shouldn't i go up there and he says there's an orgy going on and she says sounds promising and then (laughs) later in that scene guy says to her you look lovely and she says you don't which i thought was kind of funny and then in the morning when her douchebag bro boyfriend catches them or whatever on the pool table he's like what are you wearing and she says seeing us at your big day which i guess is her birthday or uh, i guess it's his birthday she says seeing us as your big day i'm wearing my birthday suit in your honor which i actually kind of like yeah i might nominate that that's not bad i did i did write down i just noticed for some reason i wrote down great dress i guess in the scene after that she's wearing some kind of oh she shows up i guess it's at the point this is so weird it's one of the time jumps where we don't get told it's a time jump like uh uh, she she goes out i think it's after she she goes out with someone in france and then guy leaves and then she shows up at his flat in london he's with some other girl or something well she shows up and she's wearing like an awesome dress and i must have just written down great dress (laughs) (laughs) it's really like of all the things right now i'm just like struggling (laughs) best fight no best death 
No, I'm not going to write that down because we don't actually see it happen. Oh, off-screen death. Oh, you know what I thought was creepy as hell, though? I just have to say, like, this really freaked me out. The idea of the cell that she was kept in, it's just sort of like 12 or 13 steps down to, like, a little flat area. Like, that's, that's like a little mini dungeon, I guess. Yeah. Like, I'd never seen that before, and that was that was really dark and yeah. I was like oh that sucks big time. I like because you don't really see too many too much creativity in terms of cells but there, I'm also now thinking of that one cell in Game of Thrones which if I knew more about Game of Thrones I mean I've seen every episode and I've read a couple books but I don't know enough about it to, to know exactly what I'm talking about but there's a scene there's a cell that just has like no wall on one side. Oh yeah yeah the one in early in like season one when um yep at Catelyn's sister's... Yeah, the, like, uh, the Eerie or the Eyre or something. Yes. I can't remember all the mm-hmm. weird names, but yeah. That's love story, obviously not. Worst love story? I feel like it's not even worthy of a worst love story. It's just... No. It's and so it's not in the best middle. love triangle. It's just like, there is a love triangle, but it's not really good or bad. It's just, it's downplayed so much. It's so weird, man. Like, I was expecting this movie to really sort of crank up the sex in the second half. Like, the yep. first movie is all joking, like, orgies and lesbians and threesomes and gay people and like this and like uh, S&M and then I was like alright we're gonna get debauched like big time in the second half of this movie and we go to war and I was just like oh man it's like weird it was like the tease that I wasn't I didn't know I wanted but I was like the second half of this movie is like I really just wish either the second half of this was just like crazy sexy dramatic or the first half of this we were setting up that war spy thriller shit because uh, as it is someone chopped up two movies and smashed them together at least two if not more yeah I don't have anything else I want to nominate this movie for is there anything else that you think is either good or bad enough to warrant I mean worst actor from a man here if that's a category yet I don't know but this is two movies that he showed up in, and I didn't even recognize him as the same guy I just recognized him as another terrible actor and like I'm like I'm not really hard on actors ever I don't feel like I've let them get away with a lot like I'm it takes a lot for me to think that someone's a bad actor so I gotta give it to this guy for really just like bringing it to my attention <laughs> in two separate movies it's 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 astounding I think he's maybe a little better in this but he's just on screen a lot more so it's like yeah he's got time to sort of have like some redeeming qualities yeah yeah and he's against I think he's being supported by better actors in this movie too yeah. it's like in the other movie it was him and Courtney Love basically the whole time <laughs> and so <Yeah>. that was <laughs> not great no it is now, this episode comes out on April 27th, which means next week, the third episode of your podcast, Watch the Throne. Oh. No, not your podcast, Watch the Throne. That's our podcast. That's this podcast. Your episode of Third Times a Charm, the third Third Times a Charm, as number three is a magic number. I think you told me last time, it is dun 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 right? That's right. I didn't hear no bell. I ain't hear no bell. <laughs> Rocky 3. Rocky 3 comes out next week. We also got Fast and Furious 6, I guess, next week, so that'll be cool. Nice. We've got a lot of cool things coming up. I also want to give a shout-out on this podcast. We mentioned them, I think, a couple episodes ago when we knew that they were officially part of the family. But earlier when I mentioned See You Up There, it's sort of like a real good recommendation. So I want to give a shout-out to Real Bad, one of our newer podcasts on the network. That is a podcast that reviews really bad movies and talks about why they want to hurt us. At the end of every one of their episodes, they sort of give a recommendation for a movie that is like the movie or inspired by the movie or sort of reminiscent of the movie in one way or another that is not at all bad. So, you know, for this movie, for Head in the Clouds, I'd like to recommend See You Up There. Again, don't know when it's coming out. I think if you're in France, 
you can buy the Blu-ray. I don't know if there's a region free import or a region two import or whatever you can get, Mike, maybe. But shout out to Real Bad for giving me the idea to recommend a good movie at the end of an episode about a bad movie. Uh, but yeah, go to cageclub.me slash shows to see all close to 20 of our podcasts. Oh, and uh, my recommendation is Casablanca. It's there you go. partially, I guess you could call it movie homework, but it's beneficial. Like, I think it's a really rewarding film. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. Great actors. Great movie. You heard it here first. Casablanca, good movie. <laughs> so for all things Watch the Throne, all of our podcasts, all of our shows, go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter. If you are listening and you like this, go rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. It's cool to get it up there. We are still just about halfway through, so we've got a lot more Charlize. And then unless something catastrophic happens to either one of us or to Charlize, uh, it won't end when we catch up. It'll keep going forever as we do for Cage and Keanu. This is a much shorter run than either of those two. So we're going to be done sooner than either of those. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think of the movie. Let us know what you think of what's coming next. You know, we'll read it on air or whatever. Do your thing. I don't care. Just say hi. You can also email us. Watch at cageclub.me. I don't know. Just just let us know that you're listening. Just say hi to us. That's all that I want. Cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, at cageclubpod on Twitter. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time on Watch the Throne. On the cloud of a knowing My world seems open Every satellite up here is watching